0: Speaker this morning is my beautiful wife Rachel Brown. Let's give it up for Rachel You're pretty You're pretty Thanks, but you're taking my time. I love you Hey y'all good morning. It's me again your girl Rachel How y'all doing today? Good, good. So here's the deal. I'm not Pastor Josh, if you didn't figure that out. I'm not Pastor Josh. He is out of town this week. They are actually on a retreat teaching at another church, so he is still preaching today. So y'all shout him down in your prayers if you would like to, but here's the deal. I'm not Pastor Josh, so I need talk back. Not for my kids, but from y'all. You can talk back to me, okay? Amen. Preach it, Rachel. Woo! You can give me a Ric Flair. Whatever you need to do, I just need to know that you're listening and that you're going to talk back to me. Okay? Okay, see? Somebody's following directions. Thank you. Now, Pastor Josh will be with us back next week. So they're soaking up the last weeks of summer. And unfortunately, summer is coming to a close. It doesn't feel like it because it's still 8 million and a half degrees outside. Oh, Fix It Jesus. But school is starting this week. So that's the title of the message Fix It Jesus. You're going to hear me say that all the time. That's going to be the best thing Fix It Jesus. School is starting, and I'm feeling some kind of way about it because my oldest is going into second grade. My baby's going to be in kindergarten. And we also have another transition of my sweet beautiful kind last baby because there will be no more it's transitioning out of e-babies into e-kids so she's leaving nursery she's going to be in e-kids she's leaving miss kathy and her team the incredible loving kind wonderful miss kathy whose birthday is appropriately on valentine's day because she is the epitome of love and her team, Ms. Vicki, Miss Tanya, the other Miss Kathy, Grandma Miss Kathy is what they call her, is Pastor Josh's mom, if you didn't know that. They are awesome, and I am sad about it, I'm kind of in my feelings, because it's the end of an era. There will be no more of my children in the nursery. But I try to keep the mindset with parenting that every new phase, every new transition is my favorite. Because I want my kids to know there's joy and beauty in every phase of life even if it sucks, like going into second grade where you will actually have homework now and going into kindergarten where you don't take naps anymore. Even when it's tough, there's joy and beauty in everything. So I want them to know that every new stage is my favorite and I will be with them through everything to the best of my ability. But school's starting y'all, I gotta get my life together. Focus Rachel, fix it Jesus, because I gotta stay on top of laundry. You can't wear pajamas all day, every day at school. So I have to sort the laundry, and I have to wash it, and then dry it, and then hang it up, and then fold it, and lay out all their clothes, and this whole thing, and I have to actually do it. And I got to stay on top of the groceries. I have to actually make the meal plan, and go to the store, and buy the groceries, and then actually cook it right? I have to actually make it, put the lunches in the lunch box. put them in the book bag with all the 15 folders and all the forms. I got to do all of that. And then there's homework. <sighs> Fix it, Jesus. We've got to do the homework, okay? Listen, we got to do the homework the day that it comes home and not the next morning where we're scrambling to try to get out the door and we forget to put it in the thing. That is a lot. Okay, so we've got work, homework, all the stuff going on with church. Women of Valor is going to start again in a couple of months. Woo! That's right. Yes, ladies. So we've got women's Bible studies starting up. So that's the night of the week that I'm be gone. Holidays are going to be here before you know it. I know it's still 95 degrees outside, but Christmas is next week. So, amen. But all of that is a lot. And so I do some soul searching because I'm like, I'm busy and I turn it into chaos instead of busyness, right? Instead of just keeping that mindset of I'm just busy, we just have a lot going on, I let it turn into chaos and I let the anxiety take over. So I had to do a lot of soul searching about that, right? I had to say, this year's gonna be better, right? I'm going to raise good humans. That's the hardest part of being a parent. If you didn't know, raising good humans, people that are kind, that love the Lord, that are not mean. It's okay if you're not the smartest kid in class. It's okay if you're not the most popular kid in class, but you're not going to be mean. You're going to be kind, and you're going to tell people about Jesus, and you're going to have the full armor of God, and you're going to have the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It doesn't mean punch your friend because they punch you back. Okay, it means being kind and living in the spirit. So I'm like, this year's gotta be better because last year I made it to the third week of August before I got to put a snack in the book bag, I forgot. Kid went to school, third week of August, no snack. And then I made it to the first week of September before I forgot to turn a field trip form and homework. So this year's gonna be better. Now, also the year before that, I sent my kid to school on the first day with COVID. So it's gonna be better. Amen? Yeah, we're going to make a better year. Both of those teachers are retired now, by the way. So anyway, this year's going to be better. I had to do some soul searching and I had to pray. God, what stops me from living in peace? What causes me to go from busy and doing the things that you've called us to do and coming to all the Bible studies and all the meetings and all the things that we've got to do? What causes me to turn that from busy into chaos? What causes me to not live in that peace, what causes me to not be on top of my game, right? Because I want my kids to be good humans, and if I want them to be human, then I have to be a good human. Yes, I know. That's hard. If I want to teach my kids how to be a good human, then I have to do it. So if I want them to be Christ-like, then that means I have to be Christ-like so they will follow my example. So I did some soul-searching, right? some praying quiet time i'm like fix it jesus what's the issue and i finally figured it out i have a lot of soul searching really by soul searching i mean that the holy spirit was like oh sweet baby girl this is your problem (laughs) fix it and i was like okay jesus okay jesus so here's the deal i know what the problem is gi joe says knowing is half the battle so now we know and we can fix it. But before they put it up on the screen to tell you this is my problem, this is Rachel's problem, they're not gonna put it up there yet. This is what causes Rachel to not be Christ-like. This is what causes Rachel to have anxiety and fear and anger and just mad face, okay? This is the issue. I want you to know that I'm being very vulnerable with you and I'm keeping it 100. And I'm sharing it with you because I think maybe some of you might be having the same issue. So that's why I'm doing this today. So before they put it on the screen, I need you to say, There's no judgment, Rachel. Hey, thank you so much. Now I need you to tell me, I love you, Rachel. (laughs) I love you too. Y'all are so awesome. Okay, are you ready? Put it on the screen. This is my problem. It's me. (laughs) I'm the problem. It's me, I'm the problem. Now I need you to turn to the person beside you and say, it's me, I'm the problem. So it's me, it's you, it's us. We are what keeps us from being Christ-like. We are what keeps us from being at the top of our game and living like Jesus and doing what he says to do. We are the ones that keep ourselves in a state of anxiety and fear and worry so much so that we can stop God from using us. I mean, that's true. It's my problem. It's me. I'm the problem. So let me tell you about this man in the Bible. His name Gideon. I'm going to get some water and tell you about Gideon. I need a break because I just told y'all that I'm a problem and I made that face. So you can <laughs> see it my nose. I love you too. So there's this guy named Gideon in the Bible. It's an Old Testament Judges, right? So I wanna start off, we're gonna read an excerpt in Judges in a minute, but I need to give you a little backstory. So Judges chapter six starts off with the verse, the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. That is one way to go down in history, for sure, for sure. But let me tell you, if you haven't read the Old Testament, the Old Testament is full of that phrase. The Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. The king did evil in the sight of the Lord. The people did evil in the sight of the Lord. Somebody was doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Somebody was doing what they ain't supposed to be doing and it caused some issues. So I digress, so Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. This is the Old Testament before Jesus came. So God decided he was gonna punish them. And he gave them over to the Midianites who are the Israel's enemy, right? And it was bad, y'all. It wasn't that they were just enslaved to the Midianites. They had no food. They had no water. They didn't have any houses. They were living in caves in holes in the ground. In the beginning of that chapter, it even says that the enemies and other raiders came on the land like swarms of locusts and stayed until the land was barren. So there was no food. There was no hope. It was bleak it was bad but then god decided i forgive you i'm going to rescue you like he always does and he sent an angel to tell the people they're going to be delivered so that's where we pick up the angel of the lord is coming before gideon and that's where we're going to start judges chapter 12. the angel of the lord appeared to him and said mighty hero the lord is with you sir Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Y'all ever say something like that to God? No? No? Just me? Okay. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest of the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if they were fighting against one man. Now, Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that is really the Lord speaking to me. And that's where I stop. That is a lot to digest right there. That is a lot to unpack. But one thing we need to get out of this is that Gideon had some doubts, had some fears, had a little bit of worry, right? Maybe a little anger at his ancestors. No? I probably would be angry at my ancestors for what they're doing. Um, But he had some doubt. He's like, "Um, if you're really with me, then I need you to show me a sign. Okay? He had some fear. Um, It's bad, and you want me to go fight all against some people that are coming in like swarms of locusts? Right? You want me to do this? You want me to do that? And he's like, I'm not even the best warrior. Like Manasseh is the lowest of all the tribes of Israel, if you don't know. And then he's like the lowest of the low. So he's like, I ain't nobody. And you want me to do this? So he's stuck in fear and doubt and anxiety and worry and maybe even a little bit of anger. And Judges, the rest of Judges 6 and on to chapter 7 even says that God or that Gideon asked God for multiple signs to prove that he was going to be with him right? So he asked God, hey, I need you to do this. God did it. I need you to do it one more time. God did it. One more again, Jesus, and then God did it. So he just kept going on with this doubt, this worry that God wasn't going to do what he said he was going to do. And eventually he relents, and Gideon helps rescue the people of Israel, right? But the fact is that if Gideon would have stayed stuck in that cycle of doubt and fear and worry and not letting God take over that for him, he could have stopped the Israelites from being rescued. Now, at the end of the day, God is going to God and he would have rescued the people, but he could have used somebody else. And that's what we do. We don't realize that we're the problem. We can stop God from using us. If we're so worried about what other people are going to think about us, if we're so worried about what happened in the past and we're so worried about the next day that we don't even know what's going to happen, we can stop God from using us. Because God gives us this thing called free will. I don't know if you know what that is. That means we get to make our own choices and do what we want to do. Okay? So he's not going to force us to do it. But if we choose to act out of fear choose to act out of anger and be constantly angry at people, if we choose to act out of doubt, God's not going to do this, he might do it for them, but he's not going to do it for me, then we can stop God from moving in our lives. We can stop him from using us. And I don't know about you, I don't want that to happen. So I grew up here in the South. I don't know if this is just a Southern phrase. Maybe you've heard it if you are not from the South. But it says life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond. That is 100% the truth. Because let's just be honest, sometimes life sucks. No? Just me? Sometimes life sucks, and we have no control over anything that happens to us, right? We have no control over anything. We don't get to choose if somebody lives or dies. We don't get to choose if we lose all of our things. We don't get to choose if we're the one that our boss downsizes. We don't get to choose if one of our friends walks out on us and leaves us hanging by Fred. We don't get to choose if our spouse leaves. We don't get to choose if our child passes away. We don't always get to choose good physical health and mental health, right? We don't always get to choose when we feel bad. We don't always get to choose when we've got some stuff going on. Even just this week I was sick and I'd take two days off of work because I didn't feel good. I would not have chosen that. If I'm gonna be real honest with you, I would not have chosen that. But that doesn't mean you can't go to the doctor. Doctors, medications, therapists, all of those, I believe, are a gift from God to help us here on this earth. But we don't always get to choose when we feel bad. We don't always get to choose when we need to go to the doctor. We don't always get to choose if we need to take medication. We have no control over this thing called life. And sometimes it sucks. No? You don't think it sucks? I do. Let me be honest with you. We have no control. Except for one thing. We do have control over one thing in our life, one thing we get to decide how it's going to play out. We get to decide how much of it we want, and that is our relationship with Jesus. Okay, that's the problem, is us. We stop ourselves from having that relationship with Jesus. Okay, because here's the deal: you get to decide how much you pray. You get to decide how much you read the Bible and then act like you read in the Bible. (laughs) You get to decide if you're actually gonna listen when God talks to you and do what he says. You get to decide what you put into your mind. You get to decide what you read, what you watch on TV, the music that you listen to, the clickbait that you click on social media you'll get to choose those and i'm not saying that all that stuff is bad but what i'm saying is you have to be mindful of that you get to choose how close you are to god because he already died he already said here i want a relationship with you but what stops us from having that me it's me when i choose not to wake up in the morning and sit down and read the bible It's me when I choose to not wake up in the morning and spend time in praying or before you go to bed or whenever you want to pray. We drive down the road. Just don't close your eyes. You get to choose when you do all that stuff. You have control of how close you are with God. You get to decide. I don't have any control over anything that happens in this life. I don't get to control if I'm sick. I don't get to control if somebody passes away. I don't get to control if my kids are sick. I don't get to control if I have a job or if there's more months than money. But I can control how often I pray. I can control how much I talk to God. I can control how much I read the Bible, right? So now that we know the issue, keeping us from Jesus is us. See, it's me. No? Some of you just proved my point by not following directions. <laughs> So, it's me, I'm the problem, fix it, Jesus. What do we do next? It's be okay with being ungotten. Let me explain. Many times in my life, maybe you have too, have said, God, I just want to feel like I got this. I just want to feel like I got it. I don't want to feel like I'm losing my mind. I want to got it. But then he says, yeah, but if you got it, you don't need me. So here I am, ungotten, I don't have it all together, I don't know what's gonna happen next, I'm not losing my mind, I just am human, okay? So here I am, ungotten. That means we've gotta be okay with not being okay. We've gotta be okay in realizing that we don't have it all together. We don't know what's gonna happen. Life sucks, but God, it will give us a way out. So 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is going to be on the screen for you. It says, you are tempted in the same way that everyone else is tempted, but God can be trusted not to let you be tempted too much, and he will show you how to escape from your temptations. So be okay with not being okay, because the fact is bad stuff's going to happen to everybody, and we have no control over it. We know that God is going to provide a way out, and he will never leave us. Be okay with not being okay. Psalms 55:22 says, give your burdens to the Lord, and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Amen. That's when you can say amen right there. Amen, amen. He will not let you slip and fall. Again, bad things are going to happen to us. That's just the nature of life. That's just the nature of the world. Bad things are going to happen, but he will not let you slip and fall, which means he's not going to let you go without a way out. He's not going to let you go without hope for tomorrow. He's not going to let you go without that. And here's the good news. God's got us, and he doesn't just got us. He's got our front which is very much different from your friend saying, I got your back. Because what does it mean when a friend says, I got you back? That means they're back here and I'm still gonna get punched first. I mean, that, that's the truth. I got your back, which means when you get punched first, they might catch me when I fall inevitably because I've never been punched in the face. But that's what it means when your friends, people got your back, but God's got our front because he goes before us. We don't got it. We don't know what tomorrow is gonna be like. We don't know what it's gonna be like when we wake up. We don't know what it's gonna be like in the next 15 minutes when we leave this building. But God does and he's got our front and he will never leave us. So there's this other story in the Old Testament. It's an Exodus story of Moses. Shocker, the people did evil on the side of the Lord and they were enslaved in Egypt. <laughs> Shocker, if you didn't know that, the people did evil in the sight of the Lord. They were enslaved. Egypt, it was also bleak. It was also very bad. And, you know, they didn't have food or whatever. It was bad. It was bad if you know the story of Moses. So anyway, God calls Moses and he says, I'm gonna rescue the Israelites. I'm gonna rescue my people and I'm gonna use you. And so Moses starts talking back to him. And he's like, mm, I don't know about this, God, because I can't speak very clearly. But God says, I am. And then Moses was like, yeah, but they know me. They know what I've done in the past. They know what my life used to be like. And God said, yeah, but I am. And then Moses was like, but what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to what I say? What if they don't believe it's you really telling me to come? And God says, I am. Okay, so I did a little research because I'm a big nerd. And in Hebrews, the phrase, I am the I am that God says throughout the Bible in the Old Testament can translate to, I will become what I choose to become or it will come to pass. So when God is saying, I am the I am, he's saying, I am what you need me to be. I will become what you need me to be. So with that also being said, I need you to mind your I am's. Yeah. So when you're saying things like, I am sick, I am suffering from, yes. here's my favorite, I am broke, yes. you are literally saying, it will come to pass, okay, and that doesn't mean that you can't acknowledge that I'm not feeling well, I might need to take some medicine, I might need to go to the doctor, or maybe I need to figure out my budget, okay? It's not saying that. Acknowledging, that's different. But when you just start speaking all of those things out into the world and out into the universe, you're literally saying, it will come to pass that I will be broke. No, ma'am, I ain't gonna be broke because, no, that's not happening. But here's some more good news, right? God is our I am. Like we mentioned, he told Moses, I am the I am. And the Bible, including the New Testament, is full of all of God's I am's. I'm going to read a few to you. I am the vine. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door in which you enter heaven. I am the good shepherd. So what God is saying, that's just a few of them. Amen. So what God is saying, you know what God's saying? I am what you need. I will become what you need. You just need me. You just need me. So we need Jesus. He will become what we need. So be okay with not being okay because we ain't got it. We are not all of those things, but Jesus is. Jesus is. Be okay with not being okay. Now, the next thing we could do, make Jesus your throw-up person. Let me explain. Let me explain. You know what it is. So let me explain what a throw-up person is. Your person, your best friend, whoever it may be, your spouse, your best friend, co-worker, your kids, your mama, somebody that you call all the time. You tell them everything. Sometimes I call at my number two. You call them 15 times a day, and sometimes you don't even talk. You just sit there and listen to each other breathe (sighs) while you're washing the dishes. Or folding laundry. You call them. This is the person that maybe you're having 15 different conversations with across 15 different social media platforms, and you're sending each other memes on this one app and doing this on this other. But anyway, you call them in the good times. They're the first person that you think of calling when you get a promotion at work, or you find out you're going to have another baby, or you're getting married, or wonderful things happen. You're like, oh, I got to call my person. They're also the person you call when terrible things happen. Hail's hey, let go from my job, you know, one of my family members passed away, help me. You're the person, that's the person you're not afraid to ask for help. When you're being vulnerable, listen, I don't have it together and I just need somebody to come sit and hold my hand. That's your person, right? Now imagine if they just disappeared. Mm. Like you just woke up one day, they're gone. You don't get to talk to them anymore. You don't get to see them anymore you have no idea what happened, you have no idea where they went, they just are gone. Kind of makes you want to throw up, doesn't it? (laughs) No? Just me. Kind of makes you want to throw up when you think about those such important people in your life. Okay, I have a few of them, but those people that make you physically sick to think about if they ever left you how would I make it through this world? How would I make it through the next day if my person is not here? So the whole point of that is make Jesus that person for you because the good news is he's never going to (laughs) leave. He's never going to leave. The Bible says he will never leave, and that's his word. He can't go against it. So you can stand on that he will never leave. And we need to make Jesus so much a part of our life, every aspect of life, that we can say, come at me, bro. I'm good because I got Jesus. I mean, don't really come at me because—but if you did, I would be okay because I have Jesus. So there's this quote that I found. A few years ago, I was in a dark space because one of my throw up people did pass away. All of a sudden, very sudden, this person I talk to all the time is my cousin, and nobody knows your brand of family drama like your cousin, right? So I'm just being honest with you. So we talked all the time. She was one of those people for me. And then all of a sudden, one day I get a phone call that she had passed away. It was very hard. It was really like the world just stopped moving. Everybody's keeping going. How am I supposed to even take my next breath kind of thing? <clears throat> So if I come across this quote, they're going to put it on the screen for you. It's by a man named David Livingstone. And it says, God, send me anywhere. Only go with me. Lay any burden on me. Only sustain me. And sever any tie in my heart except the tie that binds my heart to yours. That's deep. I mean, that's deep. That's deep to say something like that, that whatever happens, as long as I've got God, I'm good. And you might be thinking, that's easy for you to say, Rachel, because you don't know what I've been through. I don't, I really don't know what everybody has been through, but God does. And that's the beauty of it. He will never leave you. Let me tell you a little bit about David though. Okay, so David was a Christian missionary in Africa. So he's fighting against slavery. He was very well known against human traffickers. They knew who he was. So like he couldn't just be walking down the street because they knew who he was going against them. He was in prison. He was beaten. He didn't know where he was going to eat the next day. He didn't know if he was going to live to the next day. But he was able to say this, that no matter what happens, as long as you're with me, God, I'm good. I'm good. So there's this other hymn that I really like. It's called It Is Well With My Soul. Maybe you've heard it. If you haven't, I encourage you to go YouTube and find it. And after you listen to the story, you're just going to be like weeping. So take your eye makeup off. But anyway, there's this guy named Horatio. And he was a wealthy attorney in Chicago in the 1800s. And he had a family, wife, five kids. He was very wealthy, had a lot of money. So the Chicago fire of 1800 happened and he lost a lot of money. Like a lot of money that some of us didn't know that that much money existed. He lost a lot of money, okay? And then very shortly after that, his four-year-old son died from scarlet fever. So it's like, okay this sucks. This sucks. So he decided to take his wife and his four daughters, and they were going to go on a trip to London. going across cross the seas. We're going to grieve together. We're just going to spend time together as a family. It's going to be great. So he sent his wife and daughters on, on the ship, and he stayed back to take care of a few things. Well, on that ship, it sank, and all four of his daughters died on that ship. And, of course, this is before phones, social media, so his wife makes it to London, and she sends a telegram, so Horatio gets a telegram and finds out that all of his children have perished when his wife said, I was rescued alone, what do I do now? Right? Okay, it gets worse. Just wait. So then he decides to get on the ship and go to be with his wife. They're going to grieve together, because how are you supposed to come back from that? How are you supposed to do that. So he goes on the boat and he's going across the seas and then the captain says, hey man, this spot right here that we're traveling through right now, this is where that other ship sank. So this is the spot that happened. And it was in that moment that Horatio sat down and he pinned that hymn. And he said in this one line, when the sorrows come like the sea billows roll, which means when everything is coming at me and I feel like I'm going to drown and the whole earth has stopped moving and I don't know how I'm going to take my next breath and the waves are crashing me and I might as well just die, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. So he's able to say, as long as I have Jesus, I'm good. I'm good. And there's a the story of Job in the Bible. Maybe you've heard of it. I'm gonna give you a quick rundown. It's kind of a long story. So Job was a very wealthy man. He had a lot of cattle, a lot of sheep, all the animals that count as wealth in the Bible, right? And he had a lot of land and he had a lot of children. He was very well known in his city and his town. Everybody knew who Job was. Well, he was also honorable before God. But then the devil comes, Satan comes and he says, hey Jesus, he's honorable before you because he's got all this stuff. So the enemy came and he said, I'm gonna take all of his wealth. So he gets a servant, Job wakes up one day and a servant comes to him and says, hey Job, raiders came and they took all of your stuff. That's where don't kill the messenger comes from, I feel like, honestly, from this story. Um, Don't kill the messenger. So Job was like, okay, I don't have any more money. I don't have any cattle. I don't have any land. And while that servant is still speaking, another one comes and says, hey, Job, the house where all your kids were staying at collapsed, and so all of your kids are dead. So it's like, okay. But he was still honorable for the Lord. That's what the Bible says. He still was able to say, God is good. As long as I have God, I'm good. But then it gets worse because the devil comes and he said, well, yeah, sure. He's still going to serve you, God, because you've protected his body. Like his body is still fine. So he's, he's good. So guess what? Job wakes up another day, and his whole body is covered in boils and sores. And I don't know if you've ever had a sore like that or, like, skin infection or anything. It is very painful. It's very painful. So, like, his whole body is covered in it. And he's sitting there, and he's still able to say in that moment, I have God. I'm good. But to make it even worse, his friends come along, the friends that are supposed to be your shoulder to cry on, the ones that pray for you and lift you up before God and bring you down through the roof so you can get healed by Jesus, right? They come and say, hey, Job, life sucks. You should just curse God and die. Like basically telling you, you should just die. You would be better off dead. Like for real? Don't be my friend if you're going to say something like that to me, okay? Okay, for real. But Job in that moment was able to say, I have no money. I have nothing to my name. All of my children are gone. My future is gone because my children are gone. My friends have abandoned me. My body is weak and ill. He was still able to say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. All of that to say, when we make Jesus our throw-up person, he will never leave us. I've got a few verses to show you. They're not going to be on the screen for you, but John 14, 16 says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. John fifteen five says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now this next one is probably one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, Romans 5, 8 says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That means before you were born, before you knew who God was, before you knew what love was, Jesus died for you. Because unfortunately, a fact of life is that if you're born into this world, you are a sinner. You have been born into sin all over who you are. And it's not fair, right? Maybe you've lived your life perfect. You've done everything that you're supposed to do. Why do bad things keep happening to me? I take care of the sick. I take care of the elderly. I adopt babies. I feed my friends. You know, I teach little children or I do whatever it is I do. I'm a firefighter. I do all the things that I'm supposed to do. I've never done anything wrong. I've never hurt anybody. It's not fair that I'm considered a sinner. I'm a good person. It's not fair. You're right. It's not fair, but that's the beauty of Jesus and the cross is that before we were even born, he knew that it was a messed up system, and he knew that it wasn't going to be sustainable, so he sent Jesus to die for us. He sent Jesus to die for our sins, and he's never going to leave us. He made a way when there was no way, so all we have to do is come to him. We have to come to terms that it's me, I'm the problem, it's me, I'm what keeps me from being close to Jesus, I'm what keeps me from being at the top of my game, I let my emotions run rampant and I take over my thoughts, go do all the things, it's like spaghetti and it just goes from one thing to the next thing. It's me, I'm the problem and I don't have it all together, I don't got this, I don't I'm not really a good mom, not really a good friend, I'm not really a good spouse, not really a co coworker. but Jesus can help me be those things because he is what I need. another fact of the matter is, we're in a battle for our souls and not just for ours, but for our people. So your people, whoever that may be, your kids, your friends, your family, your spouse, your co-workers, whoever, If we don't tell them who Jesus is, then who's going to do it? Because really, we have to be ready to fight. And I know at the end of the day that the battle belongs to the Lord. And God is going to God, and he's going to do what he's going to do. But we still have to do our part. We still have to do what Ephesians says, and put on the armor of God. Put on the shoes of peace, which is where the phrase go in peace comes from, because we're walking in the good news. We're walking in the peace that passes all understanding, right? And we've got the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows from the enemy, which means bad stuff's going to happen to you whether you have Jesus or not. Bad stuff's going to happen to you whether you have Jesus or not. But if you have Jesus with that shield of faith, he can provide you a way out. And the Bible also says to put on salvation on your helmet, which is mind your mind. Guard what you put into it. Guard what you say. Guard the things that you listen to. And take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Bible, which tells you how to live when you read the Bible. It tells you how to treat other people. It tells you how to live, how to pray, how to do all of those things. And it says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. So that means when you ask me what I want to eat and I say, let me pray about it, you cannot judge me because the Bible says to pray at all times and on every occasion. No, my husband's shaking his head at me. But then it says... Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere, for all believers everywhere. But here's the deal, Matthew 7, 3 through 5 also says, don't worry about a speck in your friend's eye and you have a log in your own. How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck when you can't see past the log in your own eye? hypocrite! Exclamation point. I love it so much. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. What does that mean? you got to mind your own relationship with Jesus. You have no authority to tell somebody else how they need to live and how they need to pray and what they need to do or not do if you are not there first. I mean, that's just what it is. And I can't expect expect to fight you or fight for you and tell you about Jesus and his peace and his love and his joy if I don't have those things. I cannot teach my children how to pray and read the Bible if I do not pray and read the Bible. I cannot explain the peace of God that passes all understanding to a friend of mine who's grieving if I don't let the peace of God who passes understanding be evident every day in my life. I can't tell others that the joy of the Lord is my strength despite all the terrible, horrible things that have happened if the joy of the Lord is not my strength despite all the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day things that have happened in my life. Because again, it all belongs to God. The battle belongs to God, but we still have to do our part. We still have to do our part and tell others about Jesus. And that doesn't mean that you just go up to everybody and tell them they're going to hell. That means you live like Jesus says to live and live like Jesus did in the Bible because Jesus ate with sinners, he ate with tax collectors, and he rescued a prostitute from being murdered. So you've got to be Jesus, who he really was. That's where we read the Bible. And first Timothy six, twelve through fourteen says, fight the good fight. So it means you gotta fight. Hold tight to eternal life, which God has called you. You have declared it from all of our witnesses, which means you say you're a Christian, but are you Christ-like? Is what that says. I charge you before God who gives life to all who obey this command without wavering that no one can fight fault with you. James 2.26 says, Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. So that means we've got to do our part. It all belongs to God. He's going to do what he wants to do. His will is going to come to pass, but that doesn't mean we get to just sit here and do nothing, right? For example, if there's a four-lane highway out there and there's tractor trailers coming in both directions and you see somebody that's just straight up walking into the traffic, would you just sit there and say, "Mm, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? I really would hope not. I would be like, hey, dude, there's cars coming. Move out the way. Somebody help me. Okay? And this next one really has happened before. If you see your house in your neighborhood on fire, you will not just look through the blinds and be like, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I really would hope not. No, I called 911, and I called my other neighbor friend, and I said, hey, their house is on fire. We need to make sure nobody's in there. And we went out there and we tried to rescue them. If my baby is hurt and she's sitting there bleeding and she's crying and she's injured, I wouldn't sit there and just be like, hey, boo, by his wounds we are healed. Now. That is true. No, I would pick her up and I would love on her and I would tend to her injury. Take her to the doctor if we need to. Yes, I would pray. Yes, I would tell her that by his wounds we are healed, but that I still have to do action to help her right if a friend if one of y'all come to me and say rachel i'm hungry i literally have negative ten dollars in my bank account i have nothing to eat i would not say to you jesus said i am the bread of life (laughs) no i would not i would say come on let's go get some food and then i would help you jesus is our bread of life but we still have to do action buy them food, feed them. Okay, what's going on? Do you need help with a budget? Do you need a job? What can we do to fix this? Right? Because God is going to do what he's going to do, but we still have to have action. But the good news is we don't have to do it by ourselves because Acts 1.8 says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. Those are all the regions around Israel. So that means everywhere that you go, you will receive the Holy Spirit. So again, we don't got it. God's got us. We don't have it all together. And he will give you the words to say. For example, I was not usually so outspoken, if you can believe that. No, some of you are laughing. You can't really believe that, right? So I was really the quiet person. I sat in the back and have many friends and talked to people. I did not. I was trying to be invisible like the princess diaries. Um, my whole goal in life was to be invisible and I was good at it. Okay. Very introverted. And I didn't want to talk on stage. And then finally, one day somebody came to me and was like, hey, I think you should take up an offering in church one day. And I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good, and then they kept asking, they kept asking, and that's when the Holy Spirit was like, listen, I'll tell you what to say. I'll help you out with that, and it literally was, I got up here, and I was like, hey, y'all, my name's Rachel, and I'm like, I don't know what to say, and then the Holy Spirit gave me the words to say. God gave me the words to say, and eventually, over time, he gave me peace and all of that, he will give you the power to do the things he's called you to do i never thought that i would be up here talking to you about jesus or telling people about the lord i just kept it to myself he will give you the power that you need and as we're closing i want to tell you this one story there's this mom that i read you know mom facebook group whatever she told the story could be inaccurate but still is a good story she's reading the story of noah's ark to her children Right, She's reading about Noah and he got all the animals two by two and they came into the ark and he built it because he followed God's will and he built the ark and rescued all the animals and all of his family came in there and then God shut the door. And then the child was like, but why aren't there any children on the ark? And mom was like, oh, I guess their parents didn't make sure they were on there. And I was like, oh, that hurts right here. I feel that right here, right here. But all of this to say, we want to get our people on the ark, right? You want to be on the ark. We want to get our people to heaven. We want them to do the, live the life that they're supposed to live. And bad things are going to happen to you regardless We want you to know the peace of Jesus. And it's not that we're trying to shove Jesus down your throat and make every conversation be about him. It's like, oh, have you talked to Jesus? Have you prayed to Jesus? Let's go to church, worship Jesus. No, it's not that. It's that we know that despite everything, God is our person. And we don't have it all together. I don't know why bad stuff happens to good people. I don't know. But I know that God will never leave me, and he always helps me to take that next breath, take that next step, and keep moving. But we can't get our people on the ark if we are not ready ourselves. So fix it, Jesus. Fix it, Jesus. We've got to get out of our own way, realize that we don't have all the answers, and that Jesus will never leave us, and he will be what we need him to be. Amen? If you will, please stand with me. I want to pray over you all. If you'd like, you're welcome to come up here to the altar. There's nothing special about it. It's just wood and a stage. But it's an opportunity for you to come forward. Other people can pray for you. You can pray where you are. God is all-powerful. He can touch you where you are. But I want to pray over you all. I want to pray that you will be able to get that relationship right with Jesus and I want you to take a few minutes first though, by yourself because the fact of the matter is I have no control over you you have no control over me or the person next to you it's about you and Jesus so I just want to pray over you that we'll be able to figure out that it's us I don't have it all together, Jesus. Fix it and help me be close to you. Amen. They're going to pray or play a song. I'm going to pray over you, and then we're going to keep going with the service. But I encourage you, pray yourself. Don't just depend on me. It's about you. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for us, despite of who we are you saw our futures you saw our mistakes you saw our choices but you still died for us and even though bad terrible things happen you always provide us a way out of it lord so i pray today that we would be able to mind our relationship with you if it needs to be fixed fix it jesus even myself i pray that you would just give me such passion to read your Bible every day and tell others about it and really live what you've called us to do. I pray over every person that's in this room, anyone that may be watching online now or in the future, Lord, that you would overshadow their fears, anxiety, doubts, and worry, and that you'd fill it with your peace. And that doesn't mean that terrible things aren't going to happen, God, but I pray that you provide a way out. And let us know that you are always there. You will never leave. So I pray today that we would follow your anointing and listen to your voice tomorrow as we go out. And every day going forth. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.